Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EVMC podcast. Join us for this all-access pass backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live event industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to incredible guests who journey with us as we dive deep into the world of venues, tours, festivals, and everything in between. Grab your laminate and meet us in Venue Land. Today's adventure takes us to Portland, Oregon. We're going to check in with Kevin Merlet and his adventures all over the country and in his current position as the director of arena marketing there at the Rose Quarter, which, you know, the Motor Center, so much more. We're going to find out all the details. Kevin, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. So first of all, let's talk about this because, you know, there's the term the Rose Quarter which people may not be familiar with. Then there's the Moda Center, which you know a lot of people in our industry know, but let's talk to that person who doesn't know what either one is. <laughs> what, what are you guys doing there? So the Rose Quarter is uh, what we call our commons. It's the, the land in which hosts all of our venues. We have uh, the Veterans Memorial Coliseum there, which is built in 1960. You know, the, Elvis performed there, Beatles performed there. It's yeah. been, been around. Yeah. It's been around for yeah, a while. Yeah. And our tenant there is the Winter Hawks, which is our junior hockey team. It's um, owned by the city, operated by us. That's one building. Second, across just across the commons, we have uh, the Motor Center, which is where the Blazers currently play. It's our arena. Like you said, it's people in the industry think of think of arenas, think of the space that they're going to think of the Motor Center. And then within the Moda Center, we have our Alaska Airlines Theater of the Clouds, which is a stage configuration that sort of takes a stage and, and uh, places it facing east and has a curtaining system there that allows us to curtain from 35 to 6,500. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's you guys are like the only ones in the country who have that, right? Uh, from my knowledge, yes, that's correct. So how does it, tell me again how this works, like with the, the curtains and I'm just trying to even like envision the, the theater configuration. Is it, it's more than just pulling back a curtain or two, right? Yes. It's uh, so, uh, you know, you think of a North end stage and you have a stage sort of facing in the end of the oval, looking out to the, the bull, the crowd, this sort of takes the stage, places it in the center of the arena facing East, I believe. And, uh, and the curtaining system sort of makes it a a, a wedge, so it can curtain right. thirty five hundred people to sixty eight hundred people, and it creates more of a theater aesthetic because the because the seats are a little more inclined there when you're looking down at the stage, and so that allows us to bring in a lot of different type of acts. Do you typically see musical acts that are taking advantage of that, or is it? you know, some larger Broadway tours is a little mix of everything, family shows, you know, all the above, or is it tend to be kind of one type of show? Um, it's still music focused, but we, it allows us, we've had comedy acts that probably we would not have booked if we didn't have that stage configuration. So sure. we just had, you know, we had Tina, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and they're actually coming back for a reason, but they, uh, we had them, you know, we did TEDx Portland years ago, that would sure. have never really been in the arena had we not had that stage configuration. Sting 
when I started here, Sting did a theater only tour and he performed there. Um, and you would have missed out on that tour if you didn't have a yeah. theater configuration. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And same with like, we had Olivia Rodrigo. She, after COVID, she had her sour tour and uh, she played sort of smaller venues and such. And we had, we were very fortunate to have her in the theater setup because we have that availability. So it's pretty cool. Do you ever have that situation where you kind of go on sale and it's a theater setup and then, you know, you're like, oh, wow, we should have made this a full arena play. And then do you ever, do you ever switch it over? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's happened a couple of times. My favorite memory is Billie Eilish. So Billie Eilish went and she announced her, we had her at theater of the clouds. She announced in February, in February, her album wasn't dropping until March. And when we went up, you know, radio wasn't really interested in promo, you know, because mm -hmm. no one played her, she, you know, and she started at 3,400, blew that out, went up to 6,800, blew that out. And then they're like, well, let's make it a lower bowl show. So they did that. She blew it out. And then her show was May 2nd with us. So they were hesitant on opening the 300. They ended up eventually opening the 300 and she sold that out. And it literally went from a a show that was staged for say 4,000 and within say six to eight weeks went up to 13,000 people. That's awesome. And that I'd never good. seen, I'd never seen anything like that. And it was, it was, it was so remarkable. It was such a, like you felt you're like, this is something there's a buzz. Like this is, this is wild. You know, it went from radio being like, ah, we're not too interested in promo to like, please, <laughs> please like, can we get tickets? Please. Screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it was pretty, it's really, it, that those are the moments that I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that we have the capability to do that. So for sure, I'm I, I'm not I just keep talking about this, but it's such a cool option that you have, and it's so unique to what you guys are doing there in, in Portland. But how do you market that, you know, to the public? Uh, I've heard you say the theater in the clouds, but like so, when you're just talking to the general public, so they know where they're going. Yeah, it's um, so that the stage configuration was sort of put together before I came on board. The reasoning for having it have, you know, Alaska Airlines Theater of the Clouds is because, you know, there's certain acts that come through and their audience may not, when they think Modus are, oh, that's 15,000 people. That's so big. I don't really want to see my artist or my favorite artist or speaker series or whatever it is. I don't want to see a comedian yeah. with 15,000 people. So I think it's important to have a uh, a different name to it to let people know that it's not Modus yeah. It's not the traditional arena show you're going to see. It's a theater setup. So having theater in the name informs fans that this is not, this is going to be more of a traditional theater setup. This is going to be a more intimate show than what you think a normal Moda Center would be. So that's the reasoning behind sort of that. And also from a B2B standpoint, educating promoters or, you know, from our booker, like informing agents what it what it is it does a better job by then just saying modus center oh but it's different you know so by calling it something else it just educates people a little better but it's still there's there's definitely still um hiccups with all that <laughs> yeah. always in everything we yeah. do we know that <laughs> there's never no hiccups <laughs> do you have any challenges on like the booking side where you've got essentially two venues using the same space you know you obviously use the theater it kind of kills the arena for a day or is it just kind of helping to fill in dates and doesn't really present anything um uh, you know obviously our booker would know that but from my experiences it, it helps us fill dates it allows us yeah. to be more diverse allows us to bring more diverse artists through it allows us to provide a, sort of a growth venue for a lot of artists so you know you have you know the theaters downtown um the schnitz and, and the keller are about 2700 people to, to 29 
and then you have the Roseland, which is a couple thousand. So like, you know, for if you have an artist that's sort of a sitting there like, hmm, I, you know, they can sell more than 2,700, but maybe Portland doesn't have that space for them. It allows right. an option that maybe an artist can grow into Moda Center, which has happened often. You know, we have Tyler, the creator. We have a lot of artists that go from playing the clubs, go to Theater of the Clouds or the VMC next door, which uh, is about 8,500 8, North End configuration. And then they can grow into Moda Center. It helps us fill in dates ultimately. So we talked about you know the uh, the Rose Quarter uh, and then of course the the two venues uh, there and you know kind of the third the third venue with the with the theater configuration. But then does that it's you know it's thirty acres. So are you also uh, you know doing events at the plaza outside? Is, is there is there dining there? What's the, what else is there in the anything else in the Rose Quarter we didn't touch on? Yeah, our offices are located here. We have uh, Dr. Jack's, which is our on, on commons restaurant. It's not really open to the public. It's really just for event days, event okay. uh, nights. And then the commons itself, we do have events. We have uh, cultural events like uh, El Grito, which is a Hispanic heritage celebration. We have a lot of sort of like Portland races will start here. It's not big enough the way it's laid out it doesn't lend itself to really having large say concerts here sure. something we're exploring and we're there's just, we currently are have a committee trying to like iron out opportunities here but a lot of walks start here a lot of community events will start here races and stuff like that so that's really really cool and then we have yeah just the dr jacks a big thing is because there's not there's not a lot of stuff around here to walk to so it doesn't get that that general um but traffic but traffic that's it correct yeah sure that makes sense now is it still is it still you know jointly owned with uh by vulcan sports and entertainment yeah so vulcan so like i said the city the city owns vmc operates that we operate it and then motor center is owned by vulcan and it's um vulcan is obviously it owns the the trailblazers and uh seattle seahawks and um lumen field wamu theater stuff like that so we're all under that umbrella and it uh my office and my office space is in the same building as the blazers and we work very closely on on projects and cross promote so all one big happy meal what's the market like of you know portland you know for people that haven't been you know are you the only arena in the market is there much competition in oregon outside of the portland area or are you mostly you know, competing and routing with like Seattle and California to the south. Um, there's no uh, as far as arenas. There's really no other competition. Matthew Knight Arena down in Eugene's pretty. There is no competition. There's no competition. There's no competition <laughs> for the arena side. There's no competition <laughs> on the arena side. I will say there's a lot of amphitheaters outdoors, and when Portland's weather sure. does get better, there's definitely an excitement to be outside. That always yeah. plays a part during the summer times, uh, which I think every market sort of has to. It all yep. deals one way. Right. You compete um, with uh, just nature at that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people's <laughs> desire to be outside. So, um, but no, there's there's no. There's really no other arena, thankfully, nearby here that puts uh, some competition there. You know, there is Seattle, and I'm sure there's competition from the bookers out, but I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> That's not my well, It seems like a nice link in the chain for, you know, tours to route from California up to Seattle, up to Canada, and vice versa. So, I mean, it feels like it's got a nice place um, 
sort of in the middle there between Seattle and California, you know, it plays an important part. It's not too close to either one of those and, you know, kind of in a good, in a good spot in the middle. I'm sure that's what your, your booker is telling everyone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the perfect place. Also where we're located in the state, we're pretty much on the state line here of, of Washington, Oregon. So there's so many fans below us. There's so many larger markets, you know, Salem and Eugene below us bend that, you know, where we're located gives us, you know, there's just so many fans there that would maybe be too much of a trek to go up to Seattle, you know. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so talk to us about your job. Uh, what, what do you do? <laughs> we now, now we know about where you work, but tell us about what, you know, what you do and kind of uh, what your area of responsibility is. Yeah, I've been, uh, been here since 2016, uh, Director of Arena Marketing. So really the liaison um, sort of, I guess you say project manager for oversee all things marketing related for concerts and events and arena initiatives like hiring or uh, food and beverage um, along those lines, providing marketing help with, and assistance with those projects. And then liaison between the promoters in the market or promoters in the venue and our internal teams, you know, so just managing the churn and burn of concerts and events. Amen. Isn't that always it? <laughs> uh, and do you have a team there you're working with? Yeah. So a uh, team here, we have uh, Amanda. She's a, a marketing coordinator. She handles overseas email campaigns, group sales initiatives, and, and assists with media buys and such. Amelia Jude is our uh, content manager. She manages our social media platforms and contents, and she's just great at that. And then we all sort of tag team on sort of fan activations, back of house activations, and, you know, juggling everything and anything concerts and event related. I'm sure it's quite, it's quite a lot going on. So do you just focus on the, the Moda Center or do you uh, do some of the other uh, events at the, uh, the other venue? Oh yeah. It's everything Rose. You mean the, the VMC the veteran? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. So events that go there, events at the Moda Center, events on campus, anything that sort of has outside of the Blazers world um, concert and event side. Yep. And obviously, it's quite a bit. So, tell me about your relationship yeah. with the teams. Uh, they kind of are they kind of managed separately, and then you kind of work with them. Yeah. So, there's a, uh, the Blazers and the Winterhawks have their own marketing departments, branding departments. We collaborate on things across like promotions, stuff like this. So, Blazers games, we have assets set aside for us to promote shows. Blazers have such programs like Kids Club that we allow us to to help market our family shows in and, and work with them. Same with the Winterhawks. We'll do in-arena stuff, uh, do reads, TV spots. So it's really just sharing of assets and then, you know, cross-promoting where there where there's make sense in terms of using mascots or trying to help elevate announcements and such. Is it a challenge with the number of shows across the different venues at any point in time? You know, are you are you typically keying in kind of on the arena shows and then maybe any of the bigger names that hit the other venues you kind of focus on? Or is it really like you're in the weeds on all the venue sizes? We're just in it the the whole the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. and a lot of it, a lot of it's driven by you know, thankfully, just being here since 2016, have really good relationships with our our local promoter reps, and so sure. I'm constantly in contact with them, being like, "Hey, how's this show doing? You know, who, where where can we pivot resources? Because that's ultimately what we're doing is sort of like project managing the the juggling all the shows, and you know, you're having a half a dozen shows ending and then a half dozen starting, and then right. you're sort of managing 
how we're pacing, how are we doing? What's the temperature on this show? Like where, where do we pivot resources in? I'm always giving love across the board, but you know, you need to sort of have that communication to know where to drive, you know, our PR team and our digital ad team and our content and all those things. Where should we be sort of where, where, we, how are we pacing? Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff to keep track of. Uh, and uh, a lot of a lot of moving pieces and parts, I'm sure. Tell me, talk to me a little about about Portland because I think so many people that are listening obviously had the trip out to Seattle, and we kind of have that Pacific Northwest vibe. But but how is you know how is Portland different? What's the vibe of Portland? Uh, Portland is uh, Portland marches to the beat of its own drum. I'll put that <laughs> first, <laughs> and uh, it's you know the 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 people of Portland is very very proud very community driven, very DIY driven. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of creatives in the city from a marketing perspective, I think they, you know, we are a city that will invest in you if you invest in us, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so sort of the arena initiatives we put in place need to be authentic, need yeah. to need to be a community focused in a lot of ways you know, ways that we do that is like, we have 18 local restaurants in the arena. Okay. We are lead certified. We're platinum lead certified at Moda Center and gold lead at VMC, which is amazing because that's 1960 building. So yeah. putting, green, putting in green initiatives matters to the city. And by putting in those initiatives, they'll invest in us because we're investing in overall city itself. And so I, you know, that's, I guess that's, if that does that make sense? Some of the yeah, yeah, it seems like a bit of a like a a blessing and a curse, but a good thing in that you've got these smart consumers that can kind of see through the bullshit. You know, like if you're just like, oh, here's this, you know, come buy tickets, they're maybe not going to like buy in as much as when they see that you actually care about the community. And I think I I like that. I, you know, given the option, I think the savvy consumer is the better one, because then when you do get that buy in, you have these loyal fans that then like defend the brand, defend the team, defend the venue, and they feel that personal connection to it. So, I mean, I think that that's great. Though. I mean, that's a great thing about the city. I think it's more like, listen, if Bruce Springsteen comes, he's going to sell out. It's not a problem. They're going to come. But right. what you know, so the artists are going to always drive those people coming. Hey, this artist is stoked. But, you know, we want fans to, when they have a Friday night available, let's see what's here because I enjoy sure, going, sure. I enjoy yeah, going yeah. there. And I, so, so that's, you want that to, you want to be the first search on those things happening. So that's, you know, I think for us, it's about being authentic ultimately to, to Portland and the, the people that live here. I think too, is again, speaking marketing related is, you know, from a branding venue branding standpoint, I think it means, you know, you got to toe the line between being too self-serving or not. So sure. what I mean by that is we're the most premier and we're the biggest is not going to resonate with everyone. It's about the, we need to, we need to brand the experience they're going to have coming here. I think branding the, we're the, the most premier venue or the biggest venue in this, whatever, how, you know what I mean? It's any, that type of branding works for B2B. And if you need partnerships or you need sweet sales or something like that, right, but I think right, right. Or be deceived to fans, it's leaning into the experience they'll have here is going to, hey, you're going to get local restaurants here. You're going to get local craft brew here. You're going to have a great time. And it's ultimately the experience that your brand, that's how I view it. Does that provide interesting 
opportunities when you are thinking of some of these like outside the box marketing strategies on shows where you are able to reach out into the community and work with these little local mom and pop shops or, you know, a local designer or something that some markets might not have because they aren't quite as, you know, creative. They aren't quite as unique. They aren't, you know, embracing the the weird maybe as much as Portland is. Oh yeah. I always am very uh, mindful that when we reach out to get their assist, ultimately their assistance to help with an announcement or like push a show is that there's, there's like a, there's something for them too. Like, sure. Hey, if you, if you promote this, like we can repost it to our followers and tag you, or we can get you and your team tickets maybe, or just, I try to be very mindful of like, we're not just like, Hey, help us, help us. Like we're not just taking that. We're also like, there's, there's a synergy between Hey, scratch my back. I scratch yours. We help each other. And then hopefully that comes, comes out of it. You know, when we do like back of house stuff, like I only, there's been, a, I can say maybe two or three times that I haven't used an artist in Oregon, but all the artist gifts are here based out of here. Like I always be mindful of like that we're, you, you know, that we're not just going to amazon.com to buy something or do right. that. You know, it's actually something here. So. Well, let me take you back a little bit, uh, turn of the century. Uh, you're, you're going to, you're, you're, you're starting college in, in Chicago. You know, you know, at, at the time when you enrolled in Columbia college, uh, there that, that you were going to go into marketing communications. Is that, is that, was that from the beginning? It was, well, I, that was the plan. It got de There was a detour, but I went to school for marketing. I, I knew I was sort of playing. I was hedging my bets a little bit. Like I, I went to school for marketing, but every intern I did was in the music music related field. So like I interned at Sony BMG when it was a record label. I interned at Wear Records, where their new art their new hit artist was John Mayer. Uh, interned at you uh, broke John Mayer. Oh my gosh, That's he was already broken by the time I got there. But he was like the new like <laughs> wow, this artist is really growing. That's cool. Uh, at Wear Records, and then I was at uh, House of Blue Chicago working the marketing there. And so I just made sure everything I did, I worked at a record store part-time. So everything I did was music focused with a marketing degree. So it's like, okay, I got this degree, but I want to make sure I get my experience here on the music side of, of everything. So where did that love of music come from? I, I don't, I really don't know where it's come from. I just have always, you know, I played drums. I was in bands growing up. So I just have always been gravitated towards music and, you know, and I, I would say my parents, but they played a fair amount, but it wasn't really pushed on me. It was just sort of on the background. So, you know, I was in church choir growing up, things like that. But <laughs> I, don't know where, I don't know where it ultimately like stemmed from. I really can't say. So, you know, a lot of internships and a lot of times in the venues, did that lead you to your to your gig there with uh, Sony Pictures where I, for a number of years you were doing uh, licensing and, and clearance? A little bit, but not much. So when I was in when I was in college, a lot of my friends were film majors. And because I knew a lot of Chicago bands and I knew a lot of music that they were like, Kevin, do you want to pick the music for our films or like film this? Day? So like I was like, yeah. So I started to dabble in that. And at the time, it was sort of like like it sort of was talked about as a career path, music supervision and music licensing. Mm, and so yeah. when I graduated, uh, there wasn't many opportunities in Chicago. And I moved to L.A. and just applied for anything I could. And I ended up getting a sort of a, a legal temp job at Sony Pictures TV. And then that led me to the music department where I worked on clearing and licensing music for like seven years, like uh, Justified, Breaking Bad, The Sing-Off. Um, What's that process like? 
it's a lot like what we do. Honestly, it's a lot of uh, it's a very similar. The workflow is very similar. So you work at any so at any moment you're juggling four or five TV shows. Okay. And those four or five TV shows have multiple episodes and those multiple episodes have multiple songs. Those multiple songs have multiple rights holders. So when you're going through the clearance, when you're juggling, multitasking, all this stuff, you know, you're just, you're, you know, you, you get a list of songs that they need or cleared. And then you're reaching out to the rights holders and turn around. A lot of times it's very quick, but then you have last minute requests. They'll be in an editing bay. And the pr- producer says, we want to change out this song for this one. We need it by tomorrow, which is yep. very, really similar to, <laughs> hey, we, we got this show announcing tomorrow. We need all this. Oh, man. We don't have an ad, man. And so it's really fast paced. It's a lot of managing multiple projects and multiple things at once. And uh, sometimes high stressed in terms of turning around, you're dealing with some pretty big projects. So so maybe, maybe high, you know, maybe various egos, but you know, so you, you get it done and you, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very exciting. Is there a favorite show or project you worked on when you look back that you were like, man, I really like that was really cool to be a part of that or. Um, for me, it was oh, I don't know if there's anything specific uh, worked on sing off. That was really cool. It was a competition show. I was a few degrees away from breaking bad. I was involved, but um, it was ran by another team essentially. So, but I helped with that occasionally, which was cool to look back on. Um are you ever like watching a show and you hear a music cue and you're like, that was me. I get that cleared. No, 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 no. I really, I really never did. <laughs> Probably you're more likely watching a show and you're like, oh man, I bet that song was impossible to get. Oh, <laughs> all the time. All yeah, the time. Yeah. All the time. And I also think about like songs that don't fit. I'm like, oh, that was that you didn't yeah. have to. Who made this that? decision? Exactly. <laughs> But I also see, yeah, I see that a lot of times from like, I'll watch something like, oh, wow, how'd they get that clear? Like that way, watching <laughs> indie film and you're like, wow, there's, so yeah, I run into that a lot where I get removed from the film when I watch it. <laughs> and then from, from Sony, you went to ASG. Uh, that's a little switch there. Talked about that role. Uh, that was just an independent publishing company. So it was a film for TV publishing company that worked with singer songwriters it was, I wanted after leaving Sony to test out getting into like a smaller company, maybe an uh, uh, up and coming company. And they had a partnership with Alcon, which is a production company that does does films. And that was really rad. I worked out of a place called The Village, which is a recording studio in uh, near Santa Monica. And uh, the owner of that company is uh, Ken Calais. He recorded, he did Fleetwood Mac rumors and Tusk, his daughter's Kobe Kelly, and uh, he was, he it was his company, well, he was one of the owners, and I got to go to an amazing studio where all these bands would be at every day, so I heard, you could hear Elton John recording downstairs, you heard Coldplay walking by, John Mayer's personal studio was next door, like, it was wild, it was really, really, really cool, but ultimately, I was just like LA, just was running its toll on me, and needed to get out. But you at least have the story. You can say you lived in the villages with, uh, or the village with, uh, with Elton John and John Mayer. There you go, John Mayer again. You follow in John Mayer's career. It was, yeah, yeah, that's very, very strange. But yeah, so that was a really just cool experience. Actually, really funny story with related to that. This is not marketing related at all, by the way. Uh, is 
we had an artist email us that wanted to work together and he he came in played us some songs we loved it and i loved it i was like man you're so good and i was connect it's so funny i had to like help pick him up on the corner because he has like his cousin was dropping him off or something and it was just he was so talented and we emailed back and forth for a while nothing came of that because it just it didn't work at the time but i was like man you are so talented and then he moved back down to texas i was like okay and ended up being eric burton who's the lead singer of black pumas oh wow (laughs) and and, uh i i heard colors on a commercial like two years ago and i was like wait that's colors from eric burton like what what the what is that? And then I Google him. I'm like, he's been Black Pumas now. I'm like, oh my God, now I'm Grammy. He's like, <laughs> I heard that song. He performed that to us when we were at the studio. And I just was, I just, he's the nicest guy. Like I was, I'm so happy for him. And I, I just was like, that's, that's amazing. So. True story. I was at the gas station this weekend pumping gas and that song was on uh, playing at the gas station. I was like, oh, I forgot how much I love this song. <laughs> yeah. They're excellent. I've seen them at a festival and they're, they're incredible. Hopefully you'll have him at the arena sometime, and you. Can, I really you can want him here. Him yeah, story that would be TV, great. But I don't know if he'd remember me. But I, I, we, you know, I was helping him out for a while. Be like, hey, I think you should send this song like this. But uh, I would love that if he played here because I'd just love to congratulate him because I, yeah, I'm so happy. So you're you're spending your time in L.A. hobnobbing with the stars, and you know, at some point <laughs> things change, and life takes you. To Portland, Oregon, where you start, you know, as a kind of a media buyer doing marketing with the Trailblazers, big transition. How does that happen? Um, I moved here with my wife and we, I actually was just working with a staffing agency and they said, hey, the, the Blazers are hiring somebody that has a music background to work on concert marketing. And I was like, well, that's perfect. And I ended up applying and, and getting the job. And that's sort of that story <laughs> it's just uh worked with a staffing agency the they were blazers the blazers slash the arena was ultimately hiring somebody to do concerts or work with the promoters to do media buying and marketing and I, that's how i landed here and been here ever since what was that translation or translation transition like you know into this job i mean you said there's certain similarities but obviously from having not worked on the venue side to then all of a sudden being on the venue side were there any hiccups along the way or was it kind of an easy thing for you to jump in and get in the middle of it? Um, from a workflow standpoint, it was fairly easy. Like I said before, like, you know, working at Sony, I there's just a lot of projects you're juggling. So I felt comfortable juggling multiple shows and working with multiple departments. That was, that was okay. The biggest thing is just the market because you have to like to, to market shows in Portland, you got to understand Portland. You got to understand the people you got to understand, you got to have relationships with local businesses or, or local, obviously media, the media less so because listen, they're going to, if you're going to spend with them, they'll take your money. So you can right. reach out for rage and do it, but it's really just like the relationship with like local organizations or local businesses and like understanding purchasing sort of like habits of the market sure. or competition in the market and all that stuff. And that's something that, you know, we moved here in 2015 and I'm brought on 2016. One year doesn't really give you that you don't really have that footing yet so that was sort of the the biggest take up was figuring out like learning about the city more and learning about you know how to you know building the connections around the city to m- promote shows you mentioned the wife how long you've been married tell us how you guys met so the, we've been married since 2015 met on a <laughs> okay cupid hey <laughs> platform. that's a throwback that's a throwback app if it I don't <laughs> yeah 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 uh the uh, I met there and met in LA. She lived 
uh she lived up here for a bit so we'd come often and visit her friends and and come up here and i was just like i'm from wisconsin originally so it felt very similar it was it was very nice and it was, it's beautiful or it's this is a beautiful state and so it just was very felt very comfortable here so once la we were sort of like you know i think this is i think where this is running its course let's let's move up here and left everything and came up here and figured it out so yeah, what are some of your favorite, on a personal side, favorite parts about Oregon and Portland? Like you said, you grew up in Wisconsin, you went to school in Chicago, you were in LA, you know, you've kind of bounced around been in different markets. You know, what what makes Portland unique? What makes Oregon unique? You know, what what do you love to do? And, you know, what, what has made it home for you? Uh, I love, I mean, one is the beauty. It's, there's, if you've ever been here, it's, it's, you know, the beach isn't too far. The mountains aren't too far. There's just like, it's green. It's lush. It's yes, it rains, but you don't have the lush without the rain. So it's a give and take. And sure. it's, it's just the beauty is really the main thing that drew me to it initially. And then um, the people and the friends that we have here are just very like, like I said, they, they're creative, they're artists, they are embracing of all things weird and different and you know, that's ultimately what drew me to it is just like the, wow, you can really be yourself here. You can really be comfortable here. And there's just, there's something for everyone in terms of just the funkiness and the DIY and sort of that, that's sort of like against the grain attitude, which I, I actually like is like, well, let's try yeah. something different. I love this idea, but let's do it different. You know, like, you know what, let's ride bikes, but let's do it naked. You're like, okay, what? <laughs> you, know, like, exactly. you know like all right uh, you do you but yeah it, like i i can appreciate that there's so many times in this role now that, that i come across that in marketing that i go okay like i get respect you know like so we talk you know we often when we're talking shop we talk a lot about uh like back of house activations or artist gifts and things like that i can't tell you how many times like i've contacted a local company and like hey so-and-so is coming here and they love you know, this, this one example was juice. Like they love like organic juice. Like, could we do a custom flavor? Yeah, we don't do that. Okay. Can we, <laughs> can we, uh, how about this? Like, can we just do like a custom label? You don't have to change anything. They're like, no, we, we don't do custom labels. And you're like, this is, you know, this is for a big artist backstage. And you're like, <laughs> it's like, part of me is like, oh, are you kidding me? But the other part of me respects it. Cause I'm like, you know what? Like, stick to your guns you do, do you right exactly so i in portland i run across that you know i see what other arenas do and i'm just like ah let me try that and then the you know the business will be like yeah we don't do they're that. like we're not going to sell out to corporate like that yeah they're like yeah. okay <laughs> you know and that goes back a little bit circling back on what we we're talking about before as far as like branding and being authentic to portland is just you know they'll invest in you invest in them in that way and like i think like if you uh, you know, they don't want to feel like they're just feeding the machine. You have to give back as well. And you need to to do that. So I think the best way we can do that is support that as a venue. Like, yeah, okay. Understand that. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming in being like, well, we're Moda Center. You, you know, this is amazing opportunity for you. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming in like that. I'm right. you know, coming in very much like, let me know what you're capable of. Are you comfortable with this? Are you not? What's well, possible? And then being respectful to whether or not they even want to do anything or collaborate in any way. So yeah. Authenticity seems to be the, the big word that I that I've heard from you a lot. And is that something, you know, as as you kind of built your career that that you would when you're talking to somebody who's maybe thinking about getting into this industry, that's something that's important? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You mean as individual or do you mean 
as like what yes. is, just said yes absolutely <laughs> absolutely i think authenticity drives unique and creative ideas and it's like it's like you know if you're putting different ingredients into a pot like everyone's own ingredients bringing in their own history or their own story is going to bring unique ideas to the table so i think it's important to just be your authentic self because you're probably going to come up with something that you that that we we can't provide if you're trying to do what everyone else is doing then you're just you're what are you what's what's unique that you're bringing to the table so i think authenticity ultimately brings forward unique ideas well i love how you mentioned how in portland because it's so you know unique and weird and fun like that it isn't forcing people to conform and if anything it's it's suggesting the opposite it's like it it's challenging people to think outside the box to be themselves and also just really be creative and not be kind of tied down to oh i have to do this because this is the way everyone else in the city is doing it you know which i think sometimes happens in markets so i love that it it provides that platform for for creativity and you know what a great opportunity to be you know a, a venue in that market that can kind of relate to you know those those different people as they explore that yeah i think I feel very fortunate. We are very fortunate to work in a city that has an identity outside of itself. Like yeah. we have our, we have tours that come here and they already know what they want in the city. They know what like they want to try or where they want to visit. Like there's been so many times I've been on a call with like promoters or, you know, other counterparts in other arenas and they're like, we're on a bucket. Oh, I want to visit Portland. I want to go up there. So it's, I feel very fortunate that like, and this goes, you know, going back to the backstage experience and some of that stuff unless there's like an aha moment, like, oh, we got to do this for the artist that makes sense. We always often lean into Portland backstage and providing, bringing Portland to the backstage experience and bringing, bringing us, because, you know, when it comes to tours, if there's like a 30 day tour and we're the 20th, I'm re we're all reading the same things about an artist. So right. we're all, right. you know, so I'm like, well, yeah. you know, if if let's say everyone knows they like dogs they like this brand yeah. of beer oh like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. oh this <laughs> artist loves their dog well for 20th there's probably seven other dogs things that have been done before that <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. what i know is no one else can do portland so i lean Amen. we ultimately lean into that like you know we're gonna do we're gonna bring a voodoo food truck backstage we're going to bring uh you know a coffee motorcycle we're gonna bring like we try to like let's just let's just lean into us and not try to lean into the artist because there's a high likely probability that the things that we're reading other arenas have read and already have tried to do that. Plus we have, like I said, like we have some unique things that we can bring to the table, just being us. So. Again, authentic, man. I love it. Hey, uh, we're about ready to uh, uh, wrap things up here. Before I do, I want to hit you with our fast five, five quick questions. Just looking for your short instant response. First up, what was your very first concert? The very first concert? Uh, does the Ninja Turtles uh, show <laughs> that rock tour? Absolutely. <laughs> Technically was my first. That's incredible. Uh, how about your favorite concert? My favorite concert? Uh, I saw Paul McCartney at the Hollywood Bowl. That comes to mind. Oh, yeah. That's good. You're uh, from Wisconsin, obligated to ask you, uh, what's your favorite kind of cheese? Probably Charp Cheddar. Ooh. <laughs> uh, what was the last great album you listened to? Uh, the White Reaper album. That came out last year. Last question for you. You're a music clearance guy, so you should have a solid answer here. What's your theme song? Cameras follow you all around, film your life. 
what is the song that plays over the opening credits of your very own TV show? Oh my goodness, that uh, that's so hard. Have you asked other people? We that? ask everyone this one, and it's almost always the one that hangs people up because they're like, "Shit!" Everybody oh, thinks it's so personally, right? You want to get yeah, the right yeah, song. Yeah. Plus, we all work in an industry of music, so there's like we're like endless category that we're thumbing through in our brains that are like. Dick, 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 dick. Well, there's also like a level of like a theme song versus like a song you like is two different things. Like, right. Yeah. Like, right. Oh, this song is great, but that's depressing. If that's my theme song, that can't be my theme song. <laughs> theme song can't be gin and juice. I just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, can, I, mean, I guess it could. But, uh, He's probably more cursed by the fact that he is, has history in music licensing. Cause yeah, now like, Oh, like, what's my budget. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which label do I have to call? <laughs> I think one because I think it just fits from a music clearance. If I was like, oh, that fits the opening of a theme song, I'd probably pick like Big Me by the Boot Fighters. Oh, very um, nice. Yeah, I like it. Very nice. Uh Kevin, before we uh wrap it up, uh give us some plugs if people want to follow along with you know what you're doing out there in the Rose Quarter, uh, or or find you out there. Uh give us the plugs. Uh yeah, our website's rosequarter.com. Uh my Instagram is Kevin Merlette. That's uh my name without any vowels. Just that easy. Hey, I know you got a lot going on out there. Really loved hearing about everything you guys are doing and uh, appreciate your time today. No, thank you guys. I appreciate it. And a big thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We do love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Ruttleberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep Portland weird. <laughs>